0: Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings, and I'm your host. Welcome to the Ten Q Interview Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Um, in today's episode, I talked to the one and only Coach Mac. Oh my God, this was such a great episode. Um, you probably won't tweak the technical issues we've had as a result of it, sort of halfway through and then exporting all of it. I won't bore you with it because you don't need to know. You probably don't care, but. Trust me when I tell you this is a great episode and some of the stuff that Mac talks about is very important and I think that I- you'll benefit from it. You know, I think you'll listen to it and you'll think of some people who probably also need to listen. So I'd encourage you to make sure you share it with them um, and discuss with them wh- wh- where it, you know, where it makes sense to. If it's the first time you're here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I know you're going to. I just do. I don't, I'm not even hoping you do anymore because I know you will. Let me know your favorite bits on social media, at 10 q Everywhere, and don't forget to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. It would also mean the world to me, and I'm sure Mac as well, for that matter, if you share this episode far and wide. Like I said before, there's going to be loads of bits in it that will be relevant to someone you know if not several people you know so make sure to share it with them anyway enough of me rambling and i will let you listen to the good bit of the content now now onto the podcast mac thank you for coming on the 10 interview podcast i do appreciate it um let's crack straight on shall we awesome yeah let's go um right number one question is an introduction to yourself now obviously I could go on the internet and find out all sorts about you, but the point of this first question is to try and find out how you want to be introduced. So you meet a stranger, could be wherever, bar, cafe, library, um, sports event, whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them?
1: I like that. That's a good question to start with. Right. Um, I think it's one of the ones that changes quite a lot depending on your environment and where you see yourself and especially if you're growing through life but I'd probably say that the punchline for the work I do is I help people realize their true self by exploiting limiting beliefs and then creating a way of being for them moving forward. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That was the shortest way of describing that, <laughs> <it>, I think. <laughs>
0: You'd have to write that down for future uh time. Yeah, what, what, sort of, what sort of response do you get when you when you tell people that?
1: Well, again, it depends on the environment. So I reached out to some ex military friends recently that i have not spoken to for a while. I was kind of telling them and some of them are like, Oh, okay, sounds all right. Some are like you know, some are disinterested, but some people are like, Okay, that's really interesting. Tell me more, how does that work? Right. Um, it depends on the person you're talking to and where they are in life, because I'm I'm a big believer that this kind of, I don't like to generalize and categorize people, but there's people who have no real interest in growth, self-development, self-help, whatever you kind of want to call it. But then you have the other people that do have a genuine interest. Um, so that message seems to appeal more to those that have an interest and those that don't, yeah. don't really care. They're just like, oh, okay, cool. It's an interesting point actually. And yeah, there's someone in
0: my life who sprung straight to mind when you said that. Like mm-hmm. that normally I, happens, yeah. Well, in a sense that I I'm a big sharer of content and stuff, right? And I I kind of I I like to what's the word I'm looking for? I like to inspire people, so mm-hmm. I will share something like, for instance, if I think it it's relevant to their life and whatever. But yeah, this one person I'm thinking of very rarely does anything with that. Um, that knowledge or that content or whatever mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to realize that they just don't care enough yeah to, to want to do yeah. it and it and it got to a point where it was like it was almost a waste of my time doing it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I actually had the conversation with them and and they said you know look it's not a they're grateful obviously but some people just don't want to are happy right happy in their life as they are and, and yeah of course and, and do you find that then so do you do you when you're sort of chatting to people and they show a disinterest I guess is it
1: does it bother you does it
0: make you want to change them at all or
1: not change to. the wrong word but inspire them I guess no it, it, it definitely used to I used to kind of have this mindset of why wouldn't you want to but then yeah. the big sort of awareness moment for me was the looking within and saying well why are you hell bent on trying to get everybody to go on this path? Cause perhaps they just are quite happy where they are. And who are you to then take on this sort of self-appointed role of changing people? So I'm very much now of, if people aren't interested in that, that's okay. That's fine. Talk about yep. something else, you know, and I'm very sort of keen on never kind of slipping into coaching people when we have conversations and doing that, because that's one of the, sort of misconceptions a lot of people that get into coaching do. They're like, well, I, you know, all my friends come and talk to me and I give them all advice, I'd be a great coach. It's like, well, it's not the same thing at all. So okay. now I'm very much a, um, if people are interested, we'll talk. If not, we'll talk about something else. And do, I don't people, get offended by that. Do people know they want to coach? Mm, that's a good one. I think a lot of people like the idea of it because they'll watch some videos on Instagram. They'll see, you know, the big sort of self-motivation speakers, you know, the big um podcast, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. And they think, oh, maybe, you know, I do need a coach and have a conversation. But I like to sort of assess whether or not I think they would be a good client and whether they're actually ready for coaching. So it's a case of finding out what people are trying to achieve, seeing what they've done. And if they've done nothing, then they're not ready for a coach at that point. You know, so, have they read books have they got resources other places have they tried things if they haven't then this is where again a lot of coaches probably get it wrong it's like oh i can coach you and help you it's like well could, but you haven't tried things yet so you're not at that point where having a coach would actually get you the maximum return on your investment so yeah i think that answered your question i kind yeah, of went it, off a little bit then
0: no and that well I and mean, that's why i love this podcast because you kind of can go off and it, and it, and it was, mm-hmm. it's still relevant it still makes a lot of sense so just sticking on the coaching thing for a minute, then. So you mm-hmm. often I see or get approached, which is probably a better, more accurate representation, mm-hmm. by business coaches saying, "Oh, you know." Yeah, I bet you do. I I will teach you to do X, Y revenue, blah blah blah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but you the way you said it in your introduction was about um getting rid of limiting beliefs. So is yours? Where would those limiting beliefs be from a personal perspective, or from a business, or? Both anything
1: doesn't matter. They're kind of intertwined, so I'd never call myself a business coach because I'm not here to tell you that I have this, you know, this formula that's going to ten x your business. Because ultimately, that's not what I'm going to provide as as a coach. You know, right. it's about looking at your life as a whole. It's looking at the way you're showing up. It's looking how you're being. Okay. You know, and what what you're doing as a result of how you're being, and what you hope to sort of have in life as a result of that. But it's it's dealing with fears that people have these limiting beliefs which is you know as a child predominantly you make these limited sort of decisions you know to protect yourself yeah but then you carry those and they don't serve you into adulthood but you don't deal with those consciously so it might be that you know somebody your mom tells you that you're selfish as a child because you've done something then you start to tell yourself that you're selfish and then as you get older you start to then every time you want to do something for you, you question whether you should do it because you're being selfish because that's all you've ever known. So it's kind of look, that's a really basic level, by the way, but That's that's
0: interesting to me because I, I, have you got kids? Yeah, I've got three. Yeah, so I've got... Four. (laughs) Terrible four, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I've got, so funny enough, the selfish thing. My daughter is going through a bit of a phase at the moment where she is being selfish Mm -hmm. and my wife and I both have occasionally called her or told her she's being selfish Mm, okay and it's i mean i find this whole child psychology thing fascinating because Mm -hmm. you know i'm an idiot right and i've got no idea just you saying that there makes me think okay you have to be so careful what you say to these kids because they are sponges Mm -hmm. and then obviously you know later in life then the, the kind of the 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 butterfly effect, right. Of that is yes. just grows and grows and grows. I mean, mm-hmm. are you conscious of, from a parenting perspective, then are you, are you hugely conscious of that stuff that you're coaching people now? And then kind of like on, on the lives of your kids.
1: Mm, a lot more now than I was. So when I had my first child with my ex-wife when I was in the military, so I was young, I was, I think I just turned 20. Um, you know, so I was really young, naive. I was in the military, so there's a lot of testosterone flying around, there's a lot of misguided ideas as a young guy, you know, doing that that job. And hmm. I didn't know. So I I forgive myself in knowing that I did the best I could with what I had, but yeah. I also recognize now like I've got a you know, I've got a baby now with my partner and it's you you look at how you're being with everything and it's like how am i being and this is the thing i go back to a lot is like how are you being in this moment yeah you know that's the thing that you kind of pull yourself back to in, in anything that you do you know recognizing who you are being who you want to be and then checking in and saying well how am i being in this moment am i being this man that i want to be yeah. and that i know i should be what am i not and that's kind of the one and for me like i recognize that as a as an adult especially when you've got a baby and they're crying and they're screaming and they're not settling and you can't it's hard and you mm. get stress and you feel it And like your neurological systems like i'm struggling here like i i need to i need to get away from this right now in that moment you're like okay just stop for a second take an actual breath yeah. connect to who you are again and kind of recognize well this is going to pass and you have a responsibility to this defenseless child who in reality never actually asked to be brought into this world right so yeah You have this huge responsibility as a grown-up. So I think in in answer to your question, I'm a lot more aware now, especially now that I do what I do. But the thing I really enjoy is when I do coaching, I learn things from other people as well, which is amazing. So it's almost kind of, you know, you coach people with this idea, but then you get this opportunity to kind of pick things up from other people because they'll say things and you'll go, ah, I've done that before. Or I've not done that before, you know. So it's really yeah, yeah. quite fortunate in that sense, yeah. Well,
0: it's like a, it's like like a an, an ever growing feedback loop, isn't it? Where you can then take that either into your own life or into future clients or current clients, can't you?
1: Yeah, always. It's it's always a learning opportunity. Every coaching client I have, I learn things about myself. So I, it's almost it's almost a little bit selfish. It's like you get to coach somebody, <laughs> I get to charge them for this service, do this whole thing, explore things deeply, and then come away and go. Am I allowed to swear in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, man, go for it. Yeah, you, you come away and you're like, fucking hell, I've just learned something here, you know? So it's, yeah, it, it's why I love it so much, definitely.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a kind of a good way to segue on to the next question then. So mm-hmm. you, you're a coach now and you, yes. you mentioned um,
1: being in the military before, but when you were a kid, what did you want to be? I wanted to be in the military. Did that you? That was my thing. Yeah, right up until, as a young kid secondary school had these ideas of like being a personal trainer. And I was like, oh, I quite like the idea of like, cause I used to play a lot of sports and I liked athletics and I was in better shape then than I am now. And I kind of really liked that aspect. So I was like, Oh, I could be a personal trainer. This would be great. So you did, um, you do like work experience, don't you? In like year 10 or 11, I think of secondary school. Yeah. Uh, or you used to at least. So I went and I like did it in a gym and I was like, this is terrible. I definitely don't want to do this. <laughs> so kind of like, what came like what, what, ter- what was terrible about it? It was just boring I, I didn't enjoy it. you were you were at least where I was in my experience. You were kind of a glorified janitor that kind of cleaned up after people and yeah. made sure the machines were working and listened to people complaining about how they weren't happy with certain things and I mean, I was a young guy then I was like i don't know fourteen, fifteen, maybe even thirteen I don't know really young, like I had no idea what I was doing, and I hated it. I was like, I don't want to do this um so I kind of went back to the idea. I start I started my A-levels and then I sacked it halfway through. and was like, I have no interest in going to university or getting a degree in anything at that time. Funnily um, enough, I, I quit my A-levels halfway through as well. So so then I joined the military because my dad was ex-military and I was like, well, I need to do something. Right. And I'd had that chat and I was in the car with my dad one night and he just kind of turned to me and was like, what are you doing with your life? And that was it. I was like, shit. That's the conversation I probably needed. And that was literally, there was one question and I was like, I need to 17 at the time, I was like, I need to make a decision now, what it is I want to do? And the military always seemed like the right option because my dad had done it for 16 years, you know, um, it's a life I knew there was a lot of benefits. I had friends that had joined and was like, I'm going to go and do that. So I did that for eight years and I loved it. Yeah. Wow. Mm, That was good. Wow.
0: Kind of um I mean it's a big it's a big decision, right? There's a lot of um uh. things that go along with that that like it's a bold decision, right? Because I mean you could have mm-hmm. said, Oh, no, I'm gonna be a PT or whatever and you go and mm-hmm. you know, get your, go and get a sports qualification and you know, go and work at fitness first or whatever it is and it's mm-hmm. that's a choice but it's yeah joining the military is a i would say as someone who's not done it is a, is a bigger choice because of the all the stuff that goes along with it, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i think when you're younger you don't appreciate that for sure like you don't think for me it was like okay i get to go and travel the world get paid and that's Who how they advertised the it
0: wasn't it to the oh
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it appealed to me because i got to leave home Excuse me, leave this little village that I was living in, you know, in the middle of nowhere, go and get, see all these exciting things and be something, you know. So the marketing for the military, if anybody's into marketing, you look at the way that military market, is fantastic, you know, it really yeah. is. So the decision wasn't difficult and my dad had done it. So I knew the life and I was like, it's a no brainer, right? I yeah. don't have to go to university. I don't have to spend all this time with people learning. And I'd, had a done, I'd had enough learning at that point, you know, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with school, I want to go and do something, and it just seemed the easiest option. So yeah, it's, I look at it now, and it is a big choice, but then it wasn't. It was just go and do it, and that was it. Yeah,
0: it's funny. I, 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 weirdly, my wife and I were both chatting about this when we when we first met, and for different reasons, we both considered it, and I considered it when I was I kind of had a bit of a rough patch in life in my uh-huh. sort of mid to late twenties, I guess. Uh-huh. And it seemed like, exactly like you said, right? You see the marketing, you think, oh, do you know what? Actually, this seems like something I could do. So it's, you know, Mm -hmm. the camaraderie, the traveling, the, you know, the keeping fit, all that sort of stuff is like, oh, it's powerful. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, not for me. I don't think in, I'm not sure I had to, especially at that age, I think discipline wise wasn't really my um, Mm. thing, but okay. It's an interesting an interesting thing then, so you you actually did what you wanted to be when you were, wanted to be when you were a kid, which is yeah, from the, from the limited amount of these podcasts i've done is it's quite it's quite rare
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I did what I thought it is that I wanted to do, right in that moment, at least it felt like the right thing and what I wanted um I have no regrets, but I left I've done other things, you know, I went and got my law degree uh recently did that distance learning and kind of got that you know and now I've, not that it applies to what I'm doing but I, I was just gonna to say I mean
0: that's that's a, that's hmm. um I mean that might tie in ne- <laughs> nicely to my next question but I wasn't expecting you to say that about a law degree
1: yeah it's kind of there was good reason I kind of had this idea of um getting into law and becoming a you know a, a solicitor within criminal law um but then I had this calling moment over the last few years for well, the last couple of years really where it was like what do you actually want to do like truly and that was the big soul searching part for me of don't just look on the surface of this could be okay and that could be okay because I like many people suffer from that sort of shiny object syndrome We see all these great ideas and you're like I could go and do them all and it's like well what actually excites you like what do you want to do where do you feel like you have the biggest gift and that's yeah. kind of what got me to do where I am but you know, yeah. So I did the. I finished the law degree last year. I think so. Or last year, or the year before. I can't even remember now.
0: Was was there a point when you had that that conversation with yourself about what you wanted to do? Was this what what led to that?
1: For the coaching, you mean?
0: Yeah, because I mean, you were obviously. If you're doing the distance learning, I'm sh- I'm assuming it was longer than four four years. So you must Six have been years, part. Yeah. Yeah, so you must have been quite a way through it. Mm-hmm. Like, did something trigger that conversation Then say, you know, what do you actually really want to do?
1: Yeah, I just had that moment. It was it was kind of doing that deep work you do yourself where I'm a big advocate for sitting by yourself with zero distractions. And I mean, no sceneries and no looking outside, no going to on the top of the man and just finding a quiet room where you go and sit and be by yourself and actually being present with your thoughts and ask yourself those honest, difficult questions that you sort of have to ask. And it was during sort of one of those moments, it was like, well, what do you actually want to fucking do? Like, you're not getting any younger. Mm. And this is me being hard on myself because I'm always really hard on myself. Like, I recognize that. But I was like, stop wasting time. Like, you've got a gift. I kind of attribute to this idea of like, and I heard this on a podcast a while, back. like, if you were walking through the desert, right, and you've got a backpack full of ice cold water, and everyone around you is like dehydrated, they're dying, and you're got this gift of water on your back and you're walking around and then i'll like, oh, give me some water and you're like no i can't i don't feel ready yet i don't feel ready to give you that war and it's like well what the fuck are you doing like people are dying out here and i know that sounds really dramatic but when you think of that as this gift you've got to give the world it's like well it doesn't actually matter when you're ready like you have this thing recognize you have it and go and give it to the world right and i say it's a lot to clients i work with ultimately it's about not it's about doing things when you don't feel ready right well, I guess there's an argument to say that most of us
0: humans never quite mm-hmm. feel ready. You know, we always talk ever, ourselves ever. about. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: exactly. So what, what's your what's your gift
0: yeah. then, coaching people?
1: It's helping people realize who they truly are, and it's through. I don't want to give too much away, but it's like through. I when I speak to people, I feel like I'm really good at asking the right questions to get people to think deeper than they've ever thought. And I get, that's the feedback I get from clients a lot is normally it's like, that's a good question or I've never thought of that. And they come away and they're like, I wish somebody had asked me that 10 years ago. Yeah. So I feel, I feel that that's the kind of gift I have within that sort of coach. Cause coaching takes many forms and I might not be the right coach for some people and I am yeah. for others. Right. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, that's, there's so much to unpack there, but I'm kind of going to make yeah, an sorry. decision. No, 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 no. Otherwise, we'll be on this podcast for like four hours. and um,
1: Joe, Joe Rogan style,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, tell me something about you that not many people know.
1: Could have been the law degree, but I have I have this weird interest in floral mugs. So you'd have seen me drinking my tea earlier. I'll have a quick drink Yeah, now. I did. And as like a, that's perfect timing, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> as like a 36 year old man that coaches men and women, but talks a lot around like how men are showing up and, you know, uh, masculinity and things like that, it's, it kind of goes to me wearing Crocs as well. So I like wearing Crocs. I put that on Twitter quite a lot and I get some abuse for it, but I also really like floral do I think, I think, I don't you, I know think why.
0: you do that. I think you do the Crocs thing mostly for engagement, right?
1: Sometimes, but saying that I've managed to convert probably that I know of four or five people that have gone and bought Crocs as a result. So I'm happy with that. Like, they need to pay me a commission, clearly. But (laughs) it's about just showing up and, like, it's going to go a bit deeper than you you probably expect here. But it's about showing up as who you are and being that mirror for people to kind of say, well, if this person can have the courage to, like, admit that they're into something that not a lot of people really like like floral mugs for example like it's so there's like nobody would think that speaking to me Where, where's that coming from this, just a random day out um down in kent years ago i went to visit like do you know I have like all these um castles and like stately homes you go and visit yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. gift shop and i walked in and seen this mug and i was like i really like that so I just bought it and i was like fuck it and i bought it and it's from this designer this brand called katie ellis i think they're from Stanford in England, and. I really liked it, so I went back and I looked, and I was like, "I really like some of this stuff." So I got some more, and I don't have like a house for, like I don't have like walls of all these floral mugs and plates and stuff. But I see something I like, and I'm like, "I'm going to have that," and I'll have them. And it's like, well, I like them; I like the way they look, and I don't really care anything past that point, really. Yeah. Why should you? But I think we, I think we, as humans, we worry far too much what people think of us, and it's. It's like this it's like this idea as a man in particular, it's like especially the UK, like if you go out drinking and you had like a porn star martini, which is a favourite drink of mine, people would be like, you know, they'd call you gay or they'd call you like a queer, They'd like throw these abusive words out because you're drinking something you like rather than having, you know, eight pints of Stella and then going home to beat your wife up. This is like the traditional sort of idea of being a British man and it's like coming away from that and saying, I don't really give a shit what this outdated idea of being a man is this is my idea and you either like or you don't and that's fine by me like you go and live your life the way you want right
0: yeah I mean
1: it's funny you say that weirdly
0: the podcast I've got going live next week I was listening to this morning and she was talking about how she like one of the biggest things that's freed her up in her way of thinking has been caring less what people think. And it, and it mm-hmm. was a conscious decision that she knew that she did for a long, long time, as did I, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the freedom that that gave her from getting rid of that and saying, no I, no, I don't care. And actually she was, I mean, it's quite good how she talks about it, but she was saying like, people, people generally don't care as much as you think they do or yeah, absolutely. So they do, they're very rarely going to say it to your face anyway. And mm-hmm. so why, and it, but it was, it can be crippling to to worry about
1: that. Right. Yeah. But again, it's that's an example of another limiting belief you have as a, as a person. And especially as a man, you, like I experienced a lot of this in the military. So there's a lot of bravado in the military There's a lot of expectation that you would drink a certain drink, you'd behave a certain way, you'd walk a certain way, you'd dress a certain way. And it was like, if you didn't do those things, you kind of weren't, quote, one of the boys, right? And there was this expectation. Conformity, kind of, right? Yeah, and it is. It's like, well, you need to do this. So like, I would get involved in scuffles on nights out because it was expected. And yeah. Not that I would want to, but you would kind of do it. Um But it's that limiting belief of I need to be this way. And in reality, nobody, like you said, actually cares that much beyond what you have to recognize. A lot of people that do behave that way is they've got a fear within them or they've got a belief within them that's kind of showing them up that way. And it's, it's none of your concern. And if you actually just had the courage to say, I'm going to be me regardless. Yeah. You could then be a mirror for that person and they may just kind of start becoming who they are. Right.
0: Well, I, I, yeah, I was going to say that a lot of, a lot of the problems that people have with people doing things that they, they, they want to do is because it reflects badly on them. Right. And it's, and it's, mm-hmm. I, I was going to use the mirror analogy and it's like, it's almost holding the mirror up to them saying, this is what you're doing and I don't want to do it. And it's almost like mm-hmm.
1: highlighting to them that it's an issue. Exactly. And you don't have to be so aggressive in the way you do that. Just you being you authentically and and showing up as you are and being who you should be. Mm. People can either look at that and decide they want to make a change or not. And that's really none of your business. you know.
0: I mean, it's interesting I- Something you said a minute ago has kind of got me thinking. Um, and obviously, I follow you on Twitter, and so I sort of see a lot of the content you put out there. And it the masculinity side is it. And you said, um, about men, but you also mentioned a minute ago that you do coach women as well. Uh-huh. So, I guess my question was going to be, are you coaching? You're, you're obviously coaching both. Uh-huh. Are the problems that I don't know if problems is the right word, the attributes that you are trying to help people with, are they more predominantly in men than women? Is that a generalization or is that, um, I guess what I'm trying to find out is where you kind of got the masculinity angle, like, is that a niche you're trying to get into? Or is it that men have bigger issues than women or different issues or issues that you can help with?
1: I think it's something I can relate to more as a guy. Right. having sort of gone through those struggles myself. But in answer to your, your first question, it's everything that men struggle with and women struggle with kind of, they show up in different ways a lot of the time, but they come from the same thing, this fear of being abandoned, this fear of being unloved, this you know fear of being alone or being judged. A lot of it's fear-based. Pretty much everything we do, there's an element of fear that tries what we do, right? Yeah. It shows up in different ways, but I enjoy the subject of masculinity because, and I'm probably going to annoy a few guys out here, but it's a subject that is massively misunderstood and it's a subject that a lot of guys just like the sound of. It sounds great. Be more of a man. Man the fuck up, that kind of thing. That's not what masculinity is, especially in my view. And I kind of feel, and I could be wrong. Somebody could give me the argument and say, you're entirely wrong. Okay, that, I'm up for that discussion always. But So what what,
0: what is your definition of masculinity then?
1: Well, the, the first thing you have to kind of accept, which a lot of people don't, is it's a social construct, right? It's something that is being created as a way of kind of gauging how you would show up as a man, right? So masculine energy isn't, even though it's kind of seen more in men predominantly, masculine energy is there's like a dance so when you're in a relationship with your partner there'll be times where she shows more masculine energy and there'll be times where you show and you kind of weave together and as long as it's going well if you're both in your masculine that's when you fall out and have arguments of disagreements if you're both in your feminine if she's in her masculine too long you know all the time that's when you start to see problems but masculinity in my view is a social construct that kind of gauges how you are as a man almost like acceptable levels of being a man you know and i know the three words are like toxic masculinity and you know um mature masculinity immature masculinity etc etc and i don't disagree with those because i'm a big believer that anybody can use any wording to describe whatever they want and who am i to say that they can't right but um that that idea of masculinity for me is how you're showing up as a man ultimately
0: Next question then. Um, What's been one of the most pivotal moments in your life?
1: I think it was getting over a a relationship breakup that I had. Um, So I got in a relationship quite quickly with a woman after I'd been married. And it really knocked me in a way that kind of made me realise that I wasn't as solid emotionally as I probably thought I was. Okay. it was kind of the thing that pushed me, I think, if I'm honest, where I am now, but it helped me kind of recognize, like, I got in this relationship with this woman. I thought she was the best thing in the world. You know, um, she then messed me around for about six months, and there was a lot of, like, this putting me on the shelf and picking up when she wanted kind of thing, and there was a lot of messing me around. There's a lot of yes and no's, and I allowed that ultimately. Like, I created that because I allowed that to happen and the yeah. way I showed up, but at the time, it really knocked me. And I see this in a lot of guys. Um, And it was that fear of being alone and not being lovable as a guy, right? Like this person's rejected you. And it's like, well, you start to kind of think that you deserved it. So I went through that whole thing where it was months of feeling sorry for myself, months of making poor decisions, months of just feeling really low and really shit. So it was kind of after that as I healed and kinda of got past that the way it was like, okay, that was a really pivotal moment because it made me realise that one, I never wanted to be in that position ever again. And two, I pushed myself to learn so much about myself and how to kind of go through things like that in the future.
0: Right.
1: That kind of then kinda of then pushed me to kind of then want to help men in particular navigate the inevitable because we're all going to go through that at least one point in our life, right?
0: yeah
1: so yeah i'd say that was pivotal for me i didn't think i'd speak about that today but yeah Yeah. no that's a that's a big answer and i mean i i I
0: appreciate your being so candid because i guess it sort of doesn't go again it kind of sits weirdly with the whole topic of masculinity right because yeah, the, the 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 stereotype of masculinity, and I'm not, and I mean that is yep. in not how you define it necessarily, but the stereotype is, you know, not to have that emotion when you get your heart broken mm-hmm. or or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So it, yeah, I mean, it's I wasn't expecting you to give that answer either. I didn't know what I was expecting, but I was I wasn't expecting something <laughs> so candid. So man, that's that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, weirdly, I guess. To give you a bit of backstory, so obviously the, t- the 10 questions have, I've had in the 10 questions since started, and then when I did my first batch, I you know, call it a season, call it a chapter, whatever you want to call it, but I then found that when I designed the questions at the beginning, actually in practice when I was asking them, kind of, I felt that they didn't quite sit right. So for the second batch, of which you are, are one, um, I changed them and, and, and moved them around. But now I'm finding, so the next question is a very long-winded way of getting on to the next question, but I'm kind of concerned that I'm cannibalizing my previous question. And, and the next one's about lessons learned and what's been Ooh. the most valuable yeah. lesson learned. Um, and I know I went very long-winded of asking that, but it's a sort of, I'm conscious that uh, it may be similar. But I don't know, you tell me.
1: Is the question, what's the biggest lesson I've ever learned in life? Most valuable lesson learned. Most valuable lesson. Um, No, I can go completely off topic here, to be fair. Okay. Um, I think the most valuable lesson I've ever truly learned was in the military. And it was that you can always give so much more than you think. Okay. And I think for me, it's the big lesson because I always have this limiting belief that when you felt tired, you had to stop. And this is not me advocating for, again, men to burn themselves out by pushing themselves all the time. But there comes a time where you can give so much more physically, mentally, lack of sleep, dehydration, you know, in any aspect and I think David Goggins talks about this like religiously <laughs> doesn't he but ult- ultimately you can you can push yourself so much further than you think you can well, what is it they and say I think that, that was the, a huge the, lesson they say the brain gives up long before the body don't they 100 yeah. percent. yeah and even before the mind in itself it's like we would go on exercises when I trained for Afghanistan and we'd go away for like a two-week exercise and You barely sleep for four days and you think, I'm not going to survive this. And you'd be told, like, you're not going to sleep for four days. You think, I'm not going to manage. At the end of four days, you barely slept, you barely uh, took enough water on, you barely eaten, like, you really push yourself and you're in high spirits and you're still functioning to an acceptable level and doing what you need to do. And it's like, okay, I really can actually push myself much further than I think it kind of starts up here in your head of what you wanted to actually achieve, right? Is that part and parcel because?
0: You can, or is it part and parcel because you're with people and you you sort of negotiate? No, not sorry, negotiate. You um push each other through.
1: Both. Yeah. I think it helps when you've got other people. Like the, the happiest moments for me in the military were when we were getting fucked over the, the most by the command team. So like when we were, because I I was a vehicle mechanic by trade. So when we were in like the workshop and. We'd been told that we had to get all these vehicles ready by a certain time, and we were going to have to work like sixteen-hour days to get things done. That's when you had the best times, like with the guys you were working with, like because you were all in it together. You're all dealing with the shit together, right? Yeah. But it's still an it's still an individual thing that you know you can have that conversation with yourself of, I know I have this thing I need to achieve. I absolutely can achieve it with the minimal resources. That's the lesson for me.
0: I am going to go off off topic a bit I just have a curious question for you and it's kind of back to the first question about you know when you say what you do when when you tell people you were in the military do you, for me it's a fascinating kind of topic area right job wise when when you tell people you were in the military do you get a lot of people asking you questions about it intrigue interest
1: mm, yeah like like more so more I, I so also, than other stuff I mean yeah, absolutely. And I can use examples for coaching, but also for sort of helping people in general conversation. But I think I have to recognize that it's seen as something quite big because I'm very casual about it. I'm like, I was in the military for eight years. It was a job. It was cool.
0: Yeah,
1: I went to Afghanistan, did these things. It was great. And it's like a lot of guys and girls in the military will tell you, like, it doesn't feel how people... Suggest it does but you kind of have to recognize that and then perhaps so well maybe it does but you're just getting on with doing your work that it doesn't like you just become really i think the more you do something the less the sort of appeal of it exists right do you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: no it's just it's like so, it's, yeah, it's very uh, it's very far removed from i don't know working a checkout at sainsbury's or you know and i think that yeah of course people are just I don't know, it's it's a topic that fascinates me, right? I mean, even if it's just from watching movies or playing computer games, and I know that sounds Mm -hmm. cliche as anything, but it's so far removed from any experience I will ever have in anything. Mm -hmm. I just, I I find it really interesting. I just wondered if it's something that, you know, you you find yourself stuck in a, a dinner party or a pub or something next to someone where you just get grilled by people about it.
1: Sometimes, and I'm very probably very dismissive when I know that's the angle it's coming from because I'm like I'm not going to allow you to kind of vicariously live this different life through a conversation um and plus it's you know I left in 2011 so it was quite a while ago right you know so life has changed and a lot's happened since then for me yeah so yeah I I get where you're coming from and I don't get frustrated with it because I get why people ask those questions I just if I think it's not a beneficial conversation. I'll just avoid it and start talking about something else and really downplay it. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah.
0: How, how much of that military stuff has, has impacted your coaching or it's kind gone of seeps into your coaching stuff?
1: I think because it's shaped me as a person, it's going to be in there. I don't approach coaching from like this militant drill sergeant way of being, Right. although some clients might tell you different depending <laughs> on how they're going, going through <laughs> at the time. But it's um i think because it shaped me as a man and kind of helped me realize like i think if anything if a good few years ago i would lose my temper with a lot of people because i'd be like you can do so much more what the fuck are you doing and that was like a thing that i had to carry i'd work with people in you know corporate jobs and i'd be like you are bone idle you are doing nothing like you could do so much more why aren't...? but then mm. i'd realize that maybe i was doing too much and then maybe i was hiding from something like just when you start looking more into yourself, like you open a, a massive can of worms and you're like, holy shit, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Right? Like
0: yeah.
1: maybe these people, like the thing I recognize with people is you might work at this level, but then people might work at this level. So yeah. I appreciate some people are listening, but i raising yeah. hands up and that level where they're at might be their absolute best. So who are you to say that they need to raise up? Like maybe you're just working at a different level to them and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, I kind of went off topic again. I love this because we're just like we start talking about things that you <laughs> weren't even asked. But yeah, <laughs> ultimately, I think it does shape the way I coach because it shaped me as a person. Yeah, of course. Fair enough. Good answer. Okay. Um, I
0: believe that everyone has a superpower of some description. What would you What would you say is yours?
1: Um, I think it's identifying when people are lying to themselves.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah. Do you think people lie to themselves a lot? All day. All the time. I do it. Do you? We do it all the time. Yeah, of course. We're like I can't do this or I'm not good enough for this or I don't deserve this because 'cause I'm fundamentally flawed and that's some big words, but we always lie to ourselves when we tell ourselves that we can or can't do things or that we're not deserving or something. Is it is it strange so, yeah, that's, being that's it. a is it strange being a
0: coach? And I mean, I sort of see this in my everyday life, right? It's very easy to look at other people and highlight or or spot things that you know they are maybe doing wrong or could uh-huh. be doing better or whatever. Is, is uh-huh. it tough for you? And this is your job, right? Is it, is it tough for you to do the same thing to yourself? Or do you find yourself doing it easily and it's, it's an annoying thing or not?
1: I think if I'm... At my best, I'm able to kind of catch myself when I'm being a different way. Right. But if I've not had, if I've not had enough sleep, or I've not been looking after myself, or I've been a bit stressed because taking too much on and doing too much, that's when I'll probably not catch myself telling myself those lines. So it's an ongoing thing as well. Like it's a lifetime commitment. Anybody who kind of wants to be truthful with themselves it's not just a case of you can do a six-week course and then you're set for life like you've got to commit to this every day right yeah and that's the thing like this and also accepting and forgiving yourself that some days you might fuck up and that's okay right
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah Mm. i think that's the problem isn't it when we
0: hold ourselves in too higher place where i mean everyone makes mistakes don't they and i think it's how you sometimes deal with them that actually Uh you know, there's making a mistake once and then you keep repeating it and then it becomes a, a habit rather than a mistake, I suppose. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of external factors. I mean, you said earlier you got a baby and you know, I've got young kids as well. And I know that the, the impact of just sleep alone has on my life, right. Whether or not it's mm-hmm. my diet goes out the window or I don't want to yeah. do that day's exercising because, you know, too tired or whatever. And it's, it's,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Easily done. Um, Okay. I'm quite interested to the answer to this question. Next one is about um, what topic is guaranteed
1: to get you on your soapbox? Probably is masculinity, to be fair. it is. I think because I have this... um, If I don't catch myself, I get annoyed with how a lot of men who work within... What I suppose you could call like the men's development space or the, you know, the men's health space peddle this idea that's just riddled with fear that if you don't do a certain thing, you're going to be this fucking loser for the rest of your life. I get really annoyed. Like it takes a lot of my energy not to call these people out all the time and not to call them out publicly and be like, you're a piece of shit for the way that you're telling men that they're not enough, right? Yeah. that can become a really, really sort of difficult thing for me to navigate, and I own that. Like I accept that. I hear myself saying it, and I'm like, "Fucking hell!" Like that's something to admit. But I do. I guess so. Fed up with how some guys with huge followings and have this huge business, and it's all peddled on fear. It's like if you don't do these things as a man, you're a piece of shit, and you'll never be good enough, which is entirely untrue. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's my soapbox rant.
0: <laughs> yeah. The- it's it's tough, isn't it? I mean, it, what I find really strange is, like, on one hand, everyone's talking about this kind of battle with male suicide, and mm-hmm. and then on the other hand, that that the message that you're talking about gets peddled quite freely. Which, and yeah. I know, and I'm no expert by any means, but they they definitely counteract each other, and
1: it's mm-hmm. it's strange, isn't it? Well, it is. It's, it's and, and I don't say this lightly, but men are men's worst enemy in the sense that we it's like using that term you know man the fuck up telling a guy to man up because he's spent with his missus and he's going through a hard time and he's showing emotion in a way that only he knows how like a a good friend or a good brother or however you want to describe it would take the time to support that person and allow them to kind of express those emotions safely in the way they know how and then support them growing through that out the other end with the right kind of the right kind of tools but there's this idea of like just go to the gym just go for a drink yeah just find another woman to you know go and have sex with and you'll be fine it's like well no going to the gym look, i'm not going to go the gym like going to gym's great but it's not the answer
0: yeah
1: it's not the solution there never is a silver bullet that will help any man get over a challenge that he's got so when there's this know this idea of like telling guys to man up or to do something else but then we also we we kind of make victims out of men as well and that's the balance that's the difficulty because we'll we'll pedal really hard how difficult it is to be a man and you know men are struggling and men are this and it's like It's a confirmation for another guy. If you were having some real struggles now in life, and I was to say to you, like, yeah, men have got it hard and men are victims and it's really tough and blah, blah, blah. You'd relate to that and then you'd connect with me on that level and you would then find that connection in a belonging that you want for you because it'd make you feel better. And that's where it gets really difficult for men in particular because we are really good at doing that and it fucks a lot of men up.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, you mentioned a minute ago about um, you see people spouting this stuff on, on social media whatever. But, mm-hmm. and, you, and you said I think you said something like it takes a lot of will not to call them out on it. It does. Why don't you call them out on it?
1: Two reasons. One, I'm just becoming them. And two, it takes away from what I'm trying to achieve. It's, it's unnecessary expenditure of energy, but you can argue that you have a duty to do so, but if I use that energy to uplift other men, surely I'm doing the best I, thing in response to that. but other people will see you doing it right, and
0: by proxy, you'll then get a bigger audience more awareness of you uh, which you then can push your you know your message, mhm-. Uh-huh. Or even if, you know, even in in kind of taking it back even a step further, like being non-cynical for a second and not assuming that they're doing Mm. it just for clicks and, and stuff. Like maybe you could educate so that then they do change their messaging. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the exact example of people you're
1: talking about, but is that something you thought of? I've done it privately with people who have reached out to me when I've shared a different message and they may have disagreed. Okay. Um, but that's always been from a place of, this is my perspective. It may not be the same as yours. However, it's my belief that the message you're sharing in relation to whatever it is in that moment is incorrect and actually damaging for men. And I would give a good explanation from my perspective. And then it's up to them whether they would kind of want to take that and work with that. Um right. But I hear where you come from. It's that constant battle for me. But I don't want to become that guy that then just slates other men. Because the one thing is, like, I could be wrong. And they could genuinely think what they're doing is helping other men. True. <laughs> and also, you're taking money out of people's mouths at the same time. Again, like, it becomes this really difficult argument to kind of have, like, I don't want to destroy another man, ever. No, but there's ways you can communicate to people that is not,
0: you know, mm. Dropping a nuclear mm-hmm. bomb on the yeah. head, right? Yeah, I, exactly. I, I guess it depends. I guess it depends at what level they're spouting stuff that you disagree with or
1: is harmful to people ultimately. Mm. I, I feel for me that if I can give my message on my platforms and stay to that, that I'm doing the best by people, but I fully hear exactly. And I love that you asked that and you challenged it because it helps me sort of consider. What I'm doing, and not a lot of people do that, so I appreciate that. I just wanted <laughs> to kind of throw that out there. But
0: well, I it's... mean, I, I guess, I guess, I mean, my train of thought was you're sitting there with X amount of followers on your and, and use Twitter a lot for anyone who's listening, and I will link to it obviously. Um, and I guess the people you're talking about have their own following, and there'll be this Venn mm-hmm. diagram, right, of people who follow you, people who follow them, and then that people in the middle yes. who follow you both, but mm-hmm. ultimately you i guess want your message to those people who don't follow you but do follow them and and so you can kind of almost be the counter narrative to what they're saying or 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 what and it is by challenging them you know and i and i Mm -hmm. and i know you you kind of do it politely and in a in a in a gracious way but by challenging them maybe you surface you and your message to the people who are following them to then you know sort of almost start taking some of those people across the venn
1: diagram um Hmm. yeah I, i hear that but the thing that rings out to me is like utilizing somebody else's platform to gain more exposure to me and whilst that's not morally wrong it's just not the angle that i ever want to use
0: even though you're doing it for good reason
1: even when I'm doing it for good reason yeah because ultimately the way the way I see it and this is how it this might help a little bit but if i see because i don't follow these people i don't like to see them because it actually creates anger inside of me but if i see a post from one of these people and i think you need to do the exact opposite i will create content that says that right not not do the opposite of this douchebag yeah you know would do the opposite of this person but i would put what i thought was the real way of being so it could be that somebody says and a lot of guys say this like you know oh men should never cry the biggest load of bullshit i've heard in my life like it's human nature to cry
0: yeah.
1: and when you try and stop that as a man you're denying yourself the release of something that's built up like you'll know if you've ever cried which i'm sure you have you normally feel a lot better afterwards it's a, it's a... you're normally then able to kind of enter that logical mindset and deal with whatever it is in the right way the minute you try and suppress that and become a gym bro and go to the gym bro everything will be great it doesn't help you it doesn't serve you it just suppresses your true nature as a man so ultimately you end up in a situation where you're not being you you're incapable of being you and you're shit scared of being you because somebody might judge you and i have messages from guys a lot they're like this thing's happened in my life is it okay to cry in front of my wife and i'm like why the fuck are you even asking me like go and be you like It's It's natural. It's normal. It's human. Anybody that says it isn't is a fucking idiot. Sorry.
0: It's an an interesting topic. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I I have never been a crier, right? And I and I use the term holistic. Ah, cool. Never. And my wife always Mm. used to joke about it. Like she 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 would always like you know shed a tear at a movie or something. And I think Mm -hmm. I I think I remember crying when Goose died (sighs) in Top Gun back in like I don't know the 90s sometimes yeah, that's fair enough that's fair enough but from then until i didn't cry and my wife always used to say to me she's like she used to think there's something wrong with me the fact that i'd never cried at anything like you know mm-hmm. and then my cousin passed away when was it when are we now last year it was about it was about this time last year mm-hmm. and <laughs> i'm going really off topic here but so my cousin passed away this time last year and i went to his funeral and he was the same age as me. He's a couple of, he's about a month younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I was driving down there. It was about an hour and a half drive away. And I was listening to some podcasts in the car on the way there. And and all these things is like a perfect storm of stuff. And I was listening to his podcast. It was, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the Do Lectures, but it was this, one of the Do Lecture podcasts. And it was talking about this guy who he was setting up food banks. Right, this fellow was totally. Um, altruistic in life everything he was doing was for other people and he was just a totally good guy he you know he was putting himself out there he was doing all this stuff Mm -hmm. anyway i went to the funeral and i and i kind of like i was listening to that podcast reflecting on my life and you know blah 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 and what i was doing and i went to his funeral and um halfway through his his my cousin's best mate was doing this speech and i'll share it with you after it's a really beautiful speech and I could not stop crying. I was in floods and floods and floods of tears. And I didn't stop crying for probably like like an hour. Yeah. And I'd gone through my whole life from, I don't know, mid teens, I guess, to 42, having never cried. Mm-hmm. And it was like the floodgates had opened and I was just, I couldn't stop. Went to the wake, which was mm-hmm. this in this field with a big marquee. Like he was, he's was, he was a very cool guy. My cousin, he hanging around with a lot of cool kids. And they had this like mini festival with a wake, and every time I spoke to someone, I just couldn't stop crying. It was, it was like to point. It was just I don't want to say it was embarrassing because it kind of undermines exactly what we're talking about, but it was just silly that like, I couldn't. I couldn't even hold a conversation with someone. Even now, I'm thinking about it. It's like I can feel it in the back of my eyes. Yeah. And it's just bizarre. Anyway, since then, I fucking cried everything. <laughs> I can't. I was sitting there yeah. with my missus watching some junk on Netflix about I don't know yeah. state agents <laughs> and like you know the sale. And I just I can. It's incredible. Anyway, I don't know why I told you that. I haven't really told many people that, but it's um, it's fascinating. though. it is a fascinating thing. It is. Well, it's it's mm-hmm. to me as well because I like I said I've gone through. <sighs> I don't know, like 30 years of nothing to this one thing. And I, and I don't know what triggered it. And obviously, you know, whether it's the same age as me, whether it's all the, you know, the first kind of, I mean, my granddad had passed away, but, you know, you, you expect your grandparents to pass away. It's its as upsetting as it uh, is. It's not a shock. He was 96, uh, you know, so I don't know what the trigger was, but but since then, a, a, it doesn't A take combination
1: on. of things, I think. Probably probably yeah.
0: um but yeah since then it doesn't take a lot like even just silly things and mm-hmm. but yeah it is it is an interesting topic anyway this is a podcast about yeah. you we're not turning it into my coaching session
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm very conscious and i wouldn't do that
0: <laughs> um so as any good piece of content i i would love my audience to go away with something from this and, and they'll go away with lots Something in particular is uh, about advice. So, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is that, I'm trying to get my words right for this, if you're not willing to vulnerably show up to a relationship with somebody, you're never going to get the true feeling of love that you'll have with somebody else. Yeah. Okay there you go that's it um and it's about being able to kind of give to somebody and be fully you in a relationship and i think why a lot of relationships fail is because people go in with this trying to be this best version of themselves which is false advertising in in this first first stage and then the two people because they've both done it normally they're then unable to actually accept the other person for who they are and they start harboring ill feelings towards that person because 'cause they're like, you're not this person. It's like, no, I am this. And then people have this idea, Well, you should take me or leave me. Well fucking no. You turned up showing them that you were somebody yeah. who was all about X, Y, and Z. Sorry, I got the dog barking. I hope you can tune that out. Um you um you turned up into this relationship, you know, with this idea of like being a different version. Rather than just and I'm not saying you should especially as a guy that you should go on a first day and unpack your entire life, like at least have a little bit of a mystery there about who you are. And, create some excitement but never be somebody that you're not because it'll always come back and bite on the arse and you're wasting somebody else's time and you're wasting your own time no, so,
0: yeah think, there you go I, th- I think that's a fascinating topic and i actually it's kind of relevant for life in general um mm-hmm. obviously like you go into a job and you're not yourself then you know you're soon going to get found yeah. out that's one thing right you lose a job you get another job whatever
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: but i think you're spot on with how Um, do you think then that I mean I don't know how you met your partner but like do you think the whole kind of the way internet dating is these days that that adds to this issue where people are putting their profiles online and and I I know obviously it goes a step further once you um, sort of meet up and chat about ever but is that a starting point where people are dating like a persona that you put on your tinder profile or whatever
1: yeah, hundred percent. It's you. Again, you have this fear of not attracting somebody that you'd want to attract, so you put this version of yourself out online, and then you don't deliver. So I know that, like, when I was dating and I was doing online dating, I would put this persona of me out of being this person, and then in real life, I'd be like, I'm not entirely that. Like, for example, I would like tell people I've been dating that I like to, you know, go out and be out and about doing stuff, but in reality, I like to be at home. I spend time at home. I like to be, some days I don't want to do anything. Some days I want to spend time by myself. Like I like my alone time.
0: Yeah.
1: But I would never say that because I'd be scared that people would judge me and be like, well, you're not going to give me the time. And the thing I've, I've picked up with my partner is we. she was actually told about me through a friend. And then she reached out to me, which I thought was really cool. I am like, this is awesome. It's completely different for a guy, right? Yeah. And we, we got chatting and she did a really good job with me, of calling me out for my shit very early on and I love that because I was like I was being forced to be me and I could have walked away from that in the early stages of being like I don't like this but I had this moment of you're never going to get what you truly want unless you put yourself fully out there and kind of accept that, you know? Yeah. No, I guess I guess
0: it, <clears throat> obviously being introduced to you she's probably heard about you already, right? So that it doesn't give you a chance to almost put out fake version of yourself, right? Because she's, she's already heard the truth. So.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the fascinating thing is what she was told about me sounds great. And it's quite, you're like, Oh, that's nice. If somebody sees you that way. And then you're like, I don't think I'm that way, but then, you know, you kind of get to know somebody. And what I love about my partner is that she wasn't overly bothered. She just was kind of directed to me through a friend. Right. We had a conversation and she, and she liked what she saw and I liked what I saw, you know, not just physically, but in the whole package and we started dating and things grew from there. And it was, I, it took me a long time as well. It took me probably a good six months to really be me and show up as me in that relationship. And I'm so thankful because I have the most amazing relationship I've ever had in my life
0: no that's something I that's lovely to hear i think it's funny my my wife and i so my my tinder profile had a picture of me i did the london triathlon in 2009 Nice. and there's a whole backstory to this because obviously i was i really didn't take care of myself in my sort of 20s and most of my 30s smoking drinking you know mm-hmm. and i one of the things i wanted to do was in 2009 i did the london triathlon and i say i did it i i you know, smoking twenty thirty a day and I I dragged myself around this course, but on my mm-hmm. Tinder profile, I had this picture up, which was about five years later <laughs> because <laughs> I was, I know. was trying, you know, <laughs> I look back on it and I think weirdly I chose it because I thought it was a good picture of me. Now one might yeah. say, oh, well, obviously you were five years younger and, you know, you're kind of probably in better shape and, and the rest of it, but. I didn't put it up there to be misleading necessarily. That wasn't really my sort of thought process. It was, I thought it was a good picture. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we, she jokes about it to this day still. It's it's kind of like an ongoing joke, but like you, I think I I dated for a bit, but then when I met my Helen, who's my wife now, I, I was more open about who I was. And actually in a similar vein to what you're saying about how, um, and i think that's why it works where it hasn't worked mm-hmm. in the past is because she has been herself and it gets to the point i mean I, I don't know how old you are but you know when when you Oh, you said that you say stay 6 stay 7 and um but, six, it yeah. gets, but it gets to a point when you you get to a certain age and you just you give up on all that bravado and the fluff and you, you know you just think i i, fuck mm-hmm. it, I, I just want to be myself now and mm-hmm. and it, it's not a kind of I don't want to say it's a take it or leave it thing, but it's more of a a thought process there, right? It's more of a this is me, and I mean, again, we could we could talk all day about this topic, but um, no, it's it's it's, it's a funny thing that you don't really think of when you're in your twenties, and actually, it's yeah. like life in that when you get older and you start being a bit more wiser and a bit more who you want to be, what you want to. F- one of my previous guests his motto in life was think about how you want to feel and it's similar i guess to your mm. sort of how are you being and it's whether it's yeah. work whether it's dating or whatever it's, it's, it's sort of the same thing isn't it
1: 100 mm-hmm. yeah no, i like that
0: i like that a lot okay um
1: when you think about the future what do you see Abundance and freedom are the two words that come to me. Nice. And that's through, yeah, that's through creating that myself and coming away from working in the public sector and kind of creating something that I want to do for me and giving myself time to do the things that I want to do. And also honoring that that might change in two years' time and I might decide to do something else, but still honoring doing the things that you want to do when you want to, as much as humanly possible. When you say abundance, abundance in what? Whole of life. So I don't just mean financially. I'm I'm not one that sits there and says, you know, I want to make a million pound a year, as much as that would be really cool. I would always sacrifice money for time. Okay. And I would always, I would always sacrifice taking on more clients to make sure that I could spend more time with family. And that's my biggest, that's my non-negotiable always is if I was working with five clients, for example, and then taking on another was going to take so much time for me, I'd say no, no matter what they offered me.
0: Have you ever had to sack a client for infringing on time?
1: No, I've, I've, I've turned down working with clients because I felt genuinely that they weren't ready for the process. And if I don't think you're ready, I don't want to do you know, a month, three months, a year's worth of coaching with somebody. It's fine if they pay up front. And and the idea is you, you the, the part of the coaching is kind of paying that fee and creating the person you are that can then pay that fee and, and do that and understand that that's, you know, a non refundable fee for that work. Yeah. But I've turned I've turned down people that more than capable of paying that money because i've felt that one i wouldn't enjoy working with them and two they're not quite ready for the work itself
0: so it's fair yeah. to say then that obviously money is important to all of us of course it is to so yeah the of degree. course but the, the purpose of what you're trying to achieve with your business isn't just about revenue then right
1: no it'd, it'd be nice to make 100 grand a month and live in a beautiful farmhouse in scotland somewhere or wherever in the middle of nowhere and have this great life which you could then just retire at a young age absolutely like i'm not naive enough to think that i would never lean into making more money but i always question if i take this client on how is it going to impact me because it's fucking tiring yeah when when i've when i've coached somebody i'm fucked afterwards like i'm tired
0: do you know i've heard that before actually and i weirdly I heard it the other way from someone who was coached they were very tired and I didn't mm. really think anything of it but I've noticed strangely when I've been doing these podcasts I mean we've been chatting now for an hour and a quarter mm. but it's the same sort of thing I'll come away from these podcasts and I'll be like mentally fatigued so mm-hmm. I you need and, some time then don't you? yeah and I can I can see why because what people don't appreciate, and you probably have the same thing as I do, is you can't just, you've got to be 100% present in this conversation, yes. otherwise it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's the same for you when you're coaching yeah. someone, right? Because if they say mm-hmm. something and you don't pick up on it or tie it back to something they said earlier, or whatever, then A, you're missing something, but B, they'll be like, what? So you could, and being that yeah. focused and present for that amount of time is, is a big, it's a big
1: ask it is and if people are going to play these these big games in life where they want to invest big and get the best from it and because the the coaching that i do like many what i see to be good coaches is you are the product at the end of the day like i don't coach and say oh in three months time you're going to have x y and z and make it doesn't it's not how it works that's a formula that doesn't really work you know one guy who makes a billion doing one thing just because he's got a, a process doesn't mean it would work for me as a person so As a client, you're the product at the end of the day, and it takes a lot of energy. I actually did a coaching session with a client not that long back where the session was an hour and a half, and I spent four hours preparing because I knew where the session was going to go and what I wanted to get from it because of previous conversations and chats we'd had in between, and I wanted to try something with him. So I spent four hours before that preparing for that, and that's like you can't put a price on that, right? Yeah.
0: No, it's an interesting so, yeah. topic. I I think um, the whole coaching thing. I mean, where where do you where do you pick up most of your clients?
1: So I I like to create clients through conversation. So um, having a chat with people who I meet on Twitter, we'll have a chat about things, we'll get on a call. But I like to look at people that I'm inspired by predominantly so if I see somebody in the space and I like what they're about we have a conversation and you know we talk about life and there comes an opportunity that's when the conversation will come I don't you'll probably not see on my timeline kind of don't put adverts out saying I'm looking for clients sign up for this because it's not how I work I don't think it's the way to create clients properly for proper coaching Right. And there is a lot of coaches in that space. There is a guy called Rich Litvin who is a really successful coach, and he talks about a similar sort of approach, calls it the Prosperous Coach Approach, and he's done a book on it. And he's, you know, he's he makes a lot of money doing what he's doing, and then you know, I look at him as a coach and think he's doing great things. He never had a social media presence. He never really had much of a website. He didn't pay loads of money for funnel systems and marketing. He just coached people one conversation at a time and built that network and would create clients that way. And I, I like kind of replicating it in a sense that kind of suits me a little bit better, but using a similar sort of way of being that he has. So
0: yeah. Right. How how many of your clients are word of mouth or that sort of referred from other clients?
1: All of them barring, I had two that approached me straight from Twitter of all places and that we'd had conversations before, so it kind of was a bit of a self-referral, I guess, where they were like, "I'm interested in what you've got to offer." And then you have a conversation. I don't like to rush things either. I like to take time. Like a lot of coaches are like, "Let's get somebody signed. Let's close a client." I don't like that idea of closing a client. I think it's, I think it's inauthentic, and I think okay. it's, I think it's kind of wrong. I like the idea of creating opportunities for people to have coaching. And I know that sounds a little bit, some people might listen and be like, oh, sounds a little bit bullshit. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I, in in my perspective, I think the way a lot of people, like there's a low barrier of entry for coaching. Anybody could wake up and be like, I'm now a coach.
0: Okay, yeah,
1: cool. And then offer of this 12 week program where, you know, at 12 weeks, you become the super Chad and you can have sex with any woman you ever meet kind of bullshit. It's like, okay, cool. But that for me isn't, coaching is probably consultation more than anything you know so, okay yeah. so kind me, of going off on a tangent a bit there sorry let, let me ask you <laughs> let me ask you a potentially
0: um tough question then what what so to your point anyone could wake up tomorrow and be a coach what
1: yeah, I'm certain. what stands you out from those people i have no desire in closing as many clients as humanly possible to offer a bullshit service too i am dedicated to you as my client in that moment in that conversation in that space to hold space for you as a client and give you absolutely everything i can so that you get the best from that because your time is important fair enough i I don't know if you can or not
0: but is there and obviously i guess there's a there's a a client privacy thing here but is there is there an example you can give of something Powerful or positive you you've helped someone achieve or someone realize or and I know I'm asking that maybe that
1: I don't know I don't know how mm. I think of one i'm I'm happy to share and it and it will come across in a way that doesn't sound as profound, but I helped a guy completely change the way he viewed himself and showed up in his marriage, and I genuinely believe that process saved his marriage. Wow. And he's in a much better place now. So it's not from that place of this person, you know, invest X amount of dollars or pounds or whatever you're paying in. And they'll see that money back in business. It's, they were in a really, really shit place and they couldn't recognize that the way they were showing up was having the biggest negative impact on that relationship for them.
0: Okay.
1: Whilst, you know, whilst kind of maintaining their own boundaries and creating those boundaries in the first place but that that was a 12-week sort of agreement and we coached and by the end of that he's a completely different human being it was back to being his truest self and that was hard was probably my hardest client and and it took about eight weeks to really get anything from him and would his marriage have not survived quite possibly it, it kind of sounded like it was on the from what he said and i spoke to his partner what they said it was it was on the cusp of being done and dusted so yeah oh that's interesting you spoke to the the wife as well mm, yeah
0: oh crazy uh, right
1: <laughs> I, well
0: i guess not right i mean the they're, they're, our partners are the ones who know us theoretically better than yes. better than anyone aren't they yeah, yeah but you also get to see how they're showing up as well so yeah yeah, that's me. I mean, that's a that's a whole Pandora's box of topic. I think, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll move to safer ground. So the, the next question is the last question, and I've uh-huh. I've changed it a little bit from from the previous series, and the last question has been suggested by my previous guest. And once okay. once we finish up, no pressure. No, then no pressure. No. So, but when we when we finish, I'll ask you for a question to then ask the next guest who I'm speaking to Monday. Um, Their question to you is, what would you be doing with your life if money was no issue? It's, It's a toss up
1: between sitting on a beach, somewhere like Thailand or Bali with family and just doing whatever I wanted. But I kind of know that I'd get bored of that very quickly. So I feel like I'd be doing what I do now, but I just wouldn't charge.
0: Do you know what, yeah. when, I, when, I, when, I, when I saw the question, so funnily enough, I was supposed to have a, a recording this morning that got cancelled last minute, and so they would have got that question,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and weirdly, when, when they cancelled, I therefore knew you were going to get the question, and the first thing I thought was, yeah. oh shit, he's going to say I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing, but for no money. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> but I knew that because yeah, of kind, it's no don't apologize it's because because of who you are and who, how you communicate online I knew that's what you were going to say I was like oh bugger! I wish I'd had that different question for you but <laughs> I guess I guess that says something about you and um you know what, what what you're about right
1: I like to think so like I'm I'm the first to admit that I am human and it's very good to kinda sit there and fluff your own nest in your feathers and make yourself look great. But I, like any other human and any other man, has made some horrendous mistakes throughout my life that will sit with me for the rest of my life, you know. And I carry that note, you know what? I forgive myself for the things I've done. But I also know that I've made some really poor choices, the same as anybody else. So I'm not I never believe anybody is ever better than anybody. And I think that kinda sits and the foundation of everything I do is kind of recognizing. I like, holding that mirror up and saying, "I've been there, re- you know. Recently, you know, I've I've made those poor choices. I've done stupid things. I've I have regrets, the same as anybody else." So yeah, yeah, no, it's go. a
0: good it's a good way to finish. Um, yeah, Do you know, what? I I I was when when you agreed to to come on, I was I was pretty chuffed because I thought. I was i was i was confident it was going to be a good one and you haven't oh, let me down in the slightest um truly it's been i say this about all my guests and actually it's been the case that everyone who's come on has, has been good and i feel like that there's yeah. bundles to take away from each person who's come yeah. on and you have again added to that list of of great things so mac i really appreciate you taking the time um where can people find you and
1: come and say hi? Twitter's the big one. Uh, Coach Mac UK is my handle at Twitter. I'm on Twitter more than I use Instagram, but I don't like it. I'm getting old, aren't I? So I don't <laughs> like the idea of doing videos all day long of me living my life. I kind of would rather live my life. So I'm on Instagram. I have a Facebook community and a Telegram community. But Twitter's probably, if I was to have a funneling system, Twitter's the first place to find me, I guess.
0: Okay, I shall, yeah. uh, I shall link to you uh twitter and get everyone to come Thank and say hi much.
1: um it's been an honor appreciate you having me on no don't be silly
0: man it's my pleasure i think um like i said i it's kind of weird when you're sort of starting a new thing and you, you sort of see people who you want to get on and you were on my list from the from the very outset because i i ultimately i want interesting people on here and uh-huh. i've been very blessed so far to get lots of interesting people and i and you know what? I say that with with the thought in my head that I think everyone everyone's interested in their own right. So but Absolutely. You more so than most, sir. So thank you so
1: much. I appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the questions. And thank you for also challenging me, because people don't do that very often. So I appreciate that. That was Ten Q interview with the one and only Coach Mac. Um if you made it to the end, thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. It was great, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> Man, what an interesting guy that fellow is. I I Genuinely, I feel like I could have chatted to him for four or five hours and probably wouldn't have even touched the sides. I'm going to have to think of ten more questions so I can get him on again and uh, listen to what he's got to say. Feel free to share any thoughts you have on the episode, favourite bits, least favourite bits. I don't know. Anything you want to challenge us either of us on, let us know. Any of the social channels, at 10Q, interview everywhere, listen. That's all from me for now. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this. The next 10Q interview episode will be live very, very soon. If you can't wait for that, check out some of our previous episodes. I mean, I've been very blessed and I'm very grateful for some of the amazing guests I've had on so far. And just so you know, we've got some more good ones coming up in the future as well. So the future looks bright and I will see you very soon. Thank you.